So as mentioned, uh, we are on a series with the book of Colossians, and uh, we continue our series today on that book. Today we're going to hear a message on uh, Colossians 1, verse 24, 2 to 5, and we'll read that in a moment. Actually, we'll read a little more than that in a moment. And, but the title in this section of Colossians in the New International Version is Paul Labors for the Church. And I don't always like titles, um, especially in this case, because it almost seems here that if you read this, it almost seems to put the emphasis on Paul. We could get a little confused with that. But although the title might emphasize Paul, and, and yes, Paul is talking about his ministry. He's introducing himself to the people through this letter because he hasn't met the people of Colossae yet, nor Laodicea. So he's introducing himself through this letter, saying what he's all about. But he's pointing his readers, the Colossian disciples, to the gospel message. He's pointing them to Jesus Christ. As he states in chapter 1, verse 23, that he is a servant of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're going to read from Colossians 1, beginning at verse 15. We, we focus on those verses 15 to uh, 23 last time. Um, and then we'll continue on with reading verse 24 to chapter 2, verse 5. Before we do, let's pray. God Almighty, we give you thanks for this opportunity to hear you speak. To hear you speak to us through your word. Words of grace, words of love, words of instruction through your word. And this morning it's through the book of Colossians. So open our hearts, open our minds to, to hear what it is that you have to say. To May your Holy Spirit in us work in us and open whatever it is that we need needs to be open to hear what it is that you want to tell us and may we hear your words of grace and your love through your son jesus christ in jesus name amen so one uh, sorry one clock not one clock colossians just simple colossians colossians 1 verse 15 the son is the image of the invisible god the firstborn over all creation for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, I become a servant. Now verse 24. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. And I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy 
Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for, those, for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches and complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may, may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I'm absent from you in the body, I'm present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, firsthand, in our passage, in this part of the letter, and in, in, in verse 24, it doesn't really, or rather, 20, yeah, 24, it doesn't really sound like much of a warm welcome that Paul's giving them. It's like he's saying, oh, by the way, I am suffering for you. And there's much discussion among theologians over to what this means, and, and Paul's not asking for sympathy, um, but Paul is saying to the church, meaning that he is suffering, but then as a church, they also suffer with him. And for that, he can rejoice because they suffer with him. And because Christ is the head of the church, he too suffers with Paul. Again, he's not saying this to get the people to feel sorry for him. He's saying this to encourage them. To encourage them in unity. That they're together in Christ. To encourage them in growth. To encourage one another. Romans 8, 17b, Paul says these words, If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Paul's being an inspiration to the people, saying that whether he suffers or rejoices, he's in Christ. And he suffers and he rejoices with other believers in Christ and with Christ himself. Paul goes on to say and restates that he is a servant of the gospel. He's been commissioned by God for a purpose, and that purpose being to present the word of God to his people. And it's not only to the Jewish people, but the gospel has been opened to the Gentiles. And so as we go on in this passage, what comes next in this passage, it refers to the word, to mystery. And we're going to focus on this, this mystery, a little more closely this morning. The Apostle Paul uses the term mystery in this passage of Colossians. And the word mystery was quite familiar to the people. Mystery, the word mystery was often used in Greek writings and current cult practices. In this city, many of the Greek believers were at one time involved in various forms of cult worship and man-made philosophies. But thanks be to God for the gospel of Jesus Christ becoming known. The people within these cults were striving to discover higher knowledge. They were striving to discover greater wisdom. The Colossian people were striving to uncover the mysteries of life. But they couldn't. Their cults, their philosophies of the day, they could not provide them the, true, the truth or meaning of life. They could not find out the answers to the questions of life. And Paul was stating to people that you think that it's having all this knowledge and so much knowledge that will give you the answers. You see, knowledge seemed to be very important to the people. But he's saying, no. It's not what you know. It's who you know. 
And Paul proclaims to the believers in verse 26, the mystery has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but now it's disclosed to the Lord's people, to the Lord's saints. And Paul tried to make the mystery clear for this people, for the people. In the letter to the Christian Colossians, Paul was letting the secret out. Paul was revealing the mystery of the gospel to the Jewish and Gentile believers of Colossae. And the mystery of the gospel was rather quite simple. The mystery was Christ in you, according to verse 27. Jesus Christ is in you. We read in those verses, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages is now disclosed to God's people. The mystery is to be made known to the Gentiles. The mystery is that of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and he's not only to dwell among the Jewish people, Jesus is also dwelling among the Gentiles. And this was exciting news for the people. Because early on, it seemed that the gospel was only for the Jewish people. And they thought that they had a monopoly on Jesus. That they had a monopoly on the gospel. But Jesus in the gospel news is for all nations. It's for the Gentiles too. So according to Paul's letter of Colossians, God has chosen to make known this mystery. God is at work in his people to make known his son, Jesus Christ. So as followers of Jesus, if you were to be asked, well, if Christ, is Christ in you? You'd probably answer, well, of course he is. But I want to ask the next question, but what does that mean? Does Christ in you mean that this is something figurative and he's kind of only the silent partner in our life? Or does Christ in you mean that he is the living, active Savior at work in your body, your mind, your heart, your soul, at work in all of your life? The fact that you have come here to worship this morning is Christ in you. It's our awesome God who calls us to worship Him. It is God calling us to participate in various roles in worship this morning, whether it be the readings or the singing or the musicians, the preaching. God is the one calling us to various tasks in our life. Whether we decide to work on a project for Sunday school or embark on a service project across the seas, it is God calling us. It is Christ at work in us. And when we head off to work or to school on Monday morning, Christ didn't leave this building. The building meaning us. He hasn't left us. He is in us. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 states, The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. In a sense, God calls us so that we, his people, might do the various tasks for him, for his glory. But I would say in a further sense, God calls us so that he might do his work through us. We're the means of God's work. God is working in us through the power of the Holy Spirit of Jesus in us. And He is faithful and He will do it. Now, mystery is something that's initially a secret. But it implies that it's usually solved. And God's secret plan that began in the Old Testament is now revealed in the New Testament. 
in a way that we can understand the mystery of Christ in us and the gospel message is the fact that we have the Holy Spirit of Jesus in us. The Holy Spirit working in us. So we are given the understanding. We are given the faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 9, Galatians 5, 22. It is by God's grace that we can begin to understand what this mystery means through faith in Christ. You see, we have Jesus in us and he has initiated a relationship with us. The mystery has been solved. It's no longer a secret. And it's not an understanding that we can gain through more and more knowledge. It's not only through our mind. We understand it with our heart. By faith in Christ. So what are you going to do about it? You have Christ in you. He's in you when you come to church. He's in you this morning. He's in you wherever you go. He's not only in heaven, He's in you. It's no longer a secret, folks. It's the reality. We have received an amazing gift from God, the gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of forgiveness of all our sins that, was, that occurred once and for all at the cross. But this is a gift that, is, that just kind of keeps on giving. Christ not only died for us, but he lives for us, and he lives in us. And this gift, which is no longer a mystery, it's not to be kept to ourselves. Because we're called to share this revealed mystery to others. And I know it's not always the easiest thing to do, but we're called to be obedient. We're not called to just be comfortable. If we don't share the truth with our children, just like the Colossians, they'll be searching for other answers. If we don't share the truth with our friends and, the, and our families, other false truths will be coming across their paths, just like the Colossian church. Think of the excitement that Paul's message must have had that it must have created in this church. A church of new believers that had no background in the church. You see, at one time, they were dead to their sin. And they were outside the covenant of God. Chapter 1, verse 21 says that they were alienated from God. They were actually enemies from God. But now they were members of His family. Once they were living in spiritual ignorance and death, but now they were alive and sharing in the riches of God's wisdom in Christ. Once they had no hope, but now they had a glorious hope because Christ lived within them. The cure to life has been given to them. Eternal life in Christ. Christ in you means that Jesus has a relationship with you. And He initiated this relationship with you. He has saved you from all your sins and offers you the free gift of grace. He's tuning our hearts to sing His grace. Friends, this is exciting stuff. I mean, you know, if you were at a Leafs game and they scored, you know darn well that you'd be hooting and hollering every time. Our... Our Savior, Jesus, has scored. He has conquered death. He's brought life. He lives in you. Can he at least hear an amen? Amen. Paul says that we have Christ in us and refers to an energy in verse 29. 
Christ is our source. And we cannot look for any other source. Or we're not going to function properly. When we do have Christ as our source, our foundation, the light of Christ will shine to those around us. When Christ, the Holy Spirit, is working through us, this leads to a maturity. It's an ongoing process of spiritual maturity. We just, we're on a journey. That's what being reformed is. We're reforming and continuing to reform. And we can't wait till we reach that place of eternity with Jesus. This ongoing process of spiritual maturity is totally based on God's Spirit working in us. And we have the opportunity, out of thanksgiving, to respond to Christ in us. Maybe there are some here this morning who have chosen not to accept this revealed mystery yet. And maybe Jesus is prodding you on your journey to have a relationship with him. And yet you haven't accepted Christ in you. May you be challenged and encouraged to receive the mystery of the gospel that is Christ Jesus. God wants you to enjoy his glory and his salvation. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you and for you to respond in relationship with him. The people in the city of Colossae, they were being bombarded with all these possible answers to life. And they were presented answers for higher meaning and today, too, we are bombarded with trying to find life in so many areas, so many directions we can go. But there is only one way, truth and life, and that is Jesus. Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior. And through his Holy Spirit, Christ is in us. And that is the mystery revealed to us through God's holy work, his holy word, rather. Don't even search for any higher meaning because the answer is right inside of you. It's no longer a mystery. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, our Father, our Savior, our Spirit, you are the living Lord Jesus Christ in us. You've established a relationship with us as we hear from your word. We thank you for calling us to be your children and for your Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ at work in us. That same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is at work in us. We praise you and we thank you. And in response, Lord, may we be challenged to live our lives for you. May we be challenged to love you and to love others and to share with others the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Help us to shine the light of Jesus to our children, to our families, to our friends, to our neighbors. May our relationship with you grow stronger each and every day. And may others come into a relationship with you. We're on a journey. and We thank you that you are leading us on this journey. Our life is in you, Lord. And we want to praise you all of our life. It's only in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.